You know, we've been sharing the last several weeks about revival to revolution. Is you know, it's not an either or. Do we want revival or do we want revolution? I'm not talking about a bloody revolution. We need both. We need revival and we need a revolution, which is a a whole paradigm shift in how we live. Revivals deal with getting rid of the the shaky foundations that we might have built things on, but revolution is when he is about he's about he's abiding in us. And I want to continue talking about that today and, and talking about the characteristics of the new Yeshua people. You know, a few weeks ago I shared about, and some of us were around in the 60s and 70s, with the Jesus People movement, which birthed, it was incredible, and it and it really did, it affected the culture. And out of the Jesus People movement at the, that same time as the Messianic movement was born but but I want to I believe God is wanting to do something even deeper in us and so I want to call the new Yeshua people and this is the second part of that message and I I asked a question last week are we being salt are we being light how are we extending his kingdom in a dark world turn with me to Ephesians chapter chapter 3 Ephesians chapter 3 starting in verse 14 For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. From him every family in heaven and on earth receives its name. I pray that from his glorious riches he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Ruach so that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to grasp with all the kedoshim what is the width and length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Messiah which surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. And then there's kind of a shift. Paul is just overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord. And he goes on, he says, now to him who is able to do far more, far beyond all that we ask or imagine by means of his power that works in us. To him be the glory in the community of believers and in Messiah Yeshua throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He just kind of gets caught up in the moment. But I want to focus on the two things that Paul prays for us in this passage, prays for two moves that would happen in the believers. First one is that we would be strengthened in our inner being through the Spirit. So that, he wants us to be strengthened so that he can do something else. That he would dwell in our hearts, that he would abide in our hearts. So that we would really know, that we would know, that we would know who he is. And that he would be glorified in us, through us, to a dying world that needs to know him. You see, the greatest joy that God the Father has is that Yeshua would be glorified in you. Talks about that in the Gospel of John. I won't get into that. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he wants us to make right decisions and right choices. He wants us to feel good. But that's not what it's about. He wants 
us to glorify Yeshua because Yeshua was glorified by the Father. The Father glorified Yeshua. And guess where? Yeshua is living in me, and we're to glorify him. That's what brings people. That's what attracts people to know the Father. So the first move is to be strengthened in the inner man. And that, that's why that shaking has to take place, a shaking of everything that is not built on the foundation of Yeshua HaMashiach and his blood and his name and the power of his words, the word. And that can mean traditions of man. I like traditions. I'm kind of a traditional person. I'm kind of a person who likes routine. I like to do certain things. I have a tradition every Shabbat morning. It may be boring to you, but it's like it really means a lot to me. But I'm also to the point where this is, you know, this, that's not my life. If it doesn't happen that way, if I don't play the same music that I did, it's not about that. So traditions of man. God is shaking us from traditions of man. And we're Jews. We have a lot of traditions. Tradition. Yeah, I can sing into that. But, but that's, and, and those are good. They bring us to a place of comfort. We remember things. How many of you had family traditions at Thanksgiving or whether it be the Passover or Christmas or whatever you celebrated, you had family traditions and they were good. But we don't build our life upon those traditions. Shaking of everything, including fear. I was thinking about this today as fear and, and the trauma of our past experiences control a lot of what we do. And what we don't do, we don't maybe share with other people the goodness of God because we had a bad experience or out of fear. And so we withdraw. We kind of don't do that. We, we keep away from that. The trauma of past experiences will keep you locked up in a prison if we allow them. But, you know, Yeshua came to set us free. He has come to set us free from the past. You might think, well, you know, people are going to look and think, well, he used to be that way. Well, it doesn't matter what people think about what you were in the past. Yeshua looks at you today. He doesn't hold your past against you, but we hold our past against us. He wants to shake us from that, the traumas of the past. And yes, it requires being healed of the traumas of the past. And that's where discipleship comes in. We share about things that have happened in our past, and, and we have people pray for us, and, and Yeshua is the one that brings the healing into those traumas. It's not about forgetting the traumas. You know, it's hard to forget traumatic experiences, but he wants us to come to a place when we look back on those experiences, they don't hold us in bondage anymore. We're set free. And that is like a, an altar of remembrance. Yes, that happened to me, but praise God, I've gone through that. God wants to, to shake us from mindsets that limit his potential in us. In verse 20 of what I just read, it says, Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine. Do we believe that God can do far beyond that you can imagine? No, we don't. But he wants us to believe that. I'm, I'm not being, I'm just saying, you know, yeah, God, you can do anything. But maybe for Larissa, maybe for Sandy, but I don't know. I don't think, come on. We've all said that before. You can't do it for me. 
but mindsets, attitudes that limits God's potential to do what he wants to do. What if Moshe, when he was at the, the Red Sea, and he said, man, I've got on this far, but this is, I can't even believe what you would do on this, God. So uh, I guess we might as well just turn back. What if he had done that? Just think about that. These, these stories that we read are not just stories. It's truth. It's history. It's his story and what he did. You know, just the amazing, I, I just so many, I'm reminded of so many incredible stories of people, regular people, normal people that don't have PhDs and, and weren't really maybe all that, you know, smart maybe or, or, or skilled, but yet they trusted God and did incredible things. See, he wants to remove us from shallow human wisdom into a kingdom wisdom. You see, that's what revival is all about, is getting rid of those foundations other than him. Oh, Lord, we need this renewal in our midst. We need that renewal. We need that revival. But then Paul prayed for that move of God for Yeshua to abide in us. Not just to endure, but to thrive. Some of us are satisfied with just enduring. Thank you, Lord, I got through the day. Amen. And bless his food. Amen. Lord, now I lay myself down to sleep. You know, I want to do more than just endure. I want to thrive. I don't know about you. To trust Yeshua in me to see and to do far more than I can even imagine. To thrive. He wants us to be a people of growing faith. Growing faith. I don't think we ever get to that point like, you know what? I've got enough faith. No. He wants us to be continually growing in our faith. Rooted in love. His love. And filled with his goodness. Love. What is love? Love is, is preferring. First of all, it's, it's our devotion and our allegiance to God above, among, above anything else, first and foremost, to him. But it's worked out in our relationships with people, too. Love is worked out in our relationships with people, preferring others and deferring to others. That is love. Desiring to see others blessed. How many times you see somebody blessed and you think, you know what, I did that, and I didn't, you know what, I want to get that, I want that blessing too. And, and we kind of rob a blessing from somebody who's being blessed. It's, it's, it's rejoicing when others are being blessed. It's willing to serve and not just be served. See, this is what community is all about. It's, it's a willingness to to whatever God has given you as gifts, abilities, desires, is to put it to, into use. And you will be blessed in doing that. It's not just to sit there and to receive, oh, I go to Shabbat just to receive. Yes, we go to Shabbat and, we, and we, we're in community to receive from the Lord, but we also want to serve others. That's what growing in love, being filled with his goodness, because he is, all, he is good. In everything, he's good. And he fills us with himself. 
be filled with his love. Yeshua wants his bride, his ecclesia, his kehilah, his kahal, his church to be true, to be honest and humble, to be transparent without hypocrisy. I don't know about you, but before I became a believer, um, I never, nobody ever came and shared the gospel with me until I was in my early 20s. Nobody. Growing up, everybody knew, yeah, I was Jewish. My family was Jewish. Nobody ever shared the gospel with me until I was in my 20s. As a matter of fact, I would look at Christians and I would say, well, you know what? I don't really see a whole lot. What is this Christ, Christian, they go to church, moral things. I don't, I, did, I saw a lot of hypocrisy, and so did you. And you might have even been in, grown up in the church, but you, you, you saw the hypocrisy that you would hear people say, do this, do this, this is what the Word of God says, and then you would watch their lives, and they wouldn't be doing what they said that we were to do. That's called hypocrisy. And Yeshua spoke a lot into that. And think about this. this is, he lived during, he, the Roman Empire was a terrible, ruthless, controlling, dominant kingdom, okay? They were brutal. They were mean. And yet I never, he doesn't really speak against the Roman authorities. But you know who he was the hardest with? The religious leaders of the day. As a matter of fact, he warns his disciples. He's getting in a boat with his disciples, going to the other side of the, to the lake. And they're in the middle of the lake, I guess. And he says, oh, starts talking about bread. And right away, they're thinking, oh, no, we forgot the bread. How can we forget the bread? And Yeshua wasn't talking about that. Matthew 16 Verse 11, it says, first of all, Yeshua, he, he warns about the chametz or the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's been warning them. He's been speaking. Matter of fact, he would call those Pharisees all kinds of things. The religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In verse 11 and 12, it says, how is it that you don't understand that I wasn't talking to you about bread? I mean, he just, you know, they saw him feed 5,000 people with nothing. It wasn't about bread. Now beware of the chametz of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he wasn't talking about the chametz and the bread, but about the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, he's very specific about it. He says, Might meanwhile, when thousands of people had gathered so many that they were trampling one another, Yeshua began speaking first to his disciples. And this is what I love about Yeshua. And first of all, I'm a disciple. You're a disciple. He speaks to us first before we go out into the world. And he wanted them to understand this truth. He says, be on guard. Guard yourselves against the chametz of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Do not be like the religious leaders of the day. Guard yourself against the yeast, the leaven of the, the Pharisees. 
Hypocrisy is what it is. You see, people discern fakeness. It's just something they, it's like, you know, if somebody tells you something, maybe it's just me because I'm a natural skeptic, but I think it's a gift of God. I really believe it's God's given me the gift of skepticism. No, my wife says it's something else, but, <laughs> but no, you can tell there's, there's, you can tell fakery. You can tell when something is hypocritical and we're trying to attract people to a different way of life. And if we're being hypocritical and fake, people will see right through that. So how do we be people, Yeshua people, be different than the world? And I'm just going to hit on a, a few points today, three. First of all, he wants us, he needs for us to be missional, missional. I'm not saying a missionary. There's a difference between missional and missionary. Missionary is you're not going to leave here and go out and buy a pith helmet and go to the deepest, darkest Africa. I'm not talking about that kind of missionary. But missional simply means to desire to see the kingdom of God expanded. That's what he desires in his people is that we see that we desire to see his kingdom expanded. An inner desire to see things around us change. That's what being missional is. If you are fine with the way things are, you're not missional. If you are okay with just, it's just me and Jesus. It's just Jesus and me. Then that's not being missional. See, we're created for a purpose, all of us. We're interconnected. We all have a part to play in our communities, our congregations, but also wherever God places us to be. Being missional, that's what that is. Do you know the word, if I said, okay, how many of you are evangelists? Oh, we've got a couple in here. Hallelujah. Three or four, awesome. Usually it's like, nope, not my gift. Don't do that. Don't tell people about Jesus. Don't tell people about Yeshua. But we misunderstand the term evangelist. It, the root is evangel, evangel, which in Greek means the good news. That's all it means. It's the good news that covers and governs every area of my life. Evangel is the good news that governs every area of my life. So when we're being an evangelist, we're sharing whatever good news you have in your life with somebody else. Simple as that. Sometimes if you take the scariness out of a word, you know, it's usually in a, in a room like this, you know, um, evangelist, everybody, you know, they're, oh, I'm prophetic. Well, I've got a, you know, people who write on their business card, I'm an apostle. You know, or, or, you know, a teacher or whatever, or a pastor. But the evangelist is like, no, I, I don't do that. But yet if you have good things that have happened in your life and you want to share that with somebody else, that's what being an evangelist is all about. It's not just sharing the four laws, the four spiritual laws. And that's wonderful. I love the Romans road. You know, when you first got saved and somebody came to you with a track and it had the four spiritual laws to be led to the Lord, that some people think an evangelist is just somebody who leads somebody else to the Lord. That's not what it is. But what, wherever we go, God has called us to kingdomize. It sounds like kind of a 
Christianese word, kingdomize. But we are to kingdomize people wherever we go to bring a bit more of the kingdom into their lives. You may not lead them to the Lord, but you're going to represent the king to people all around you. That's what that means, to kingdomize. So when I say evangelism, it's the whole process, the process of, of sharing aspects of the gospel to other people. And let me sh- quickly share six parts that we would share with other people, six aspects of the gospel. Number one, hearing the word of God. Why don't you put that up on there? Hearing the word of God. First of all, we hear the word of God. People need to hear the word of God. Some scriptures that you can write down to go along with this is Romans 10, 14 says, how can they trust in the one they have not heard of? Very simple. Verse 17 of that same chapter, Romans 10. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Messiah. Be faithful in sharing with people the word of God. Don't worry if you don't have it like David does, memorized in heart. All 66 words, um, books in the Bible, all 66. No, he's only got 40 of them. Memorized. No, but some of us think that we have to share accurately, word for word, the scriptures. Just share the scriptures. Just share what God has done in your heart to other people. People need to hear your testimony of what he did in you. Hear the word. Secondly, repentance is an aspect of the gospel. Repentance is not a heavy. Repentance is not a, ooh, you're a bad person. You need to repent, you sinner, or you'll burn. Turn or burn. No, we misunderstand that. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, repent then and turn to God. That's all it is, is you're going in this direction. It's not bringing a whole lot of fruit. Turn this direction toward God. Repent and turn towards God. Come back to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repentance is about being refreshed as we turn and come back to the Lord. Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You see, true repentance, there will be fruit, good fruit, as a result of true repentance. Third is spirit infilling. There's a lot of misunderstanding about spirit infilling. I've been filled in the spirit, I've been filled in the spirit. September 17th, 1979, I was filled with the spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's important, but it's an It's an ongoing infilling that takes place in us. The Ruach infilling us always. Luke 3, 16 says, He will immerse you in the Ruach HaKodesh and fire. It basically means to be immersed in the Ruach, to be immersed in the fire of the Lord. It's continuous. It's not a one-time thing. Some people think, and I know denominations that are built upon, when were you filled with the Holy Spirit? 
Well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was saved. But when did the Spirit come upon you? And those are important things, but it's not a one-time thing. It's a continuous ongoing, being infilled, being filled up, be filled up. I come into Shabbat, I wanted to be filled up. And I was just filled up at home, or I was just filled up the day before, but I want to be filled up again, overflowing. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine. But be filled with the Ruach. There are other things that will attract our attention that we can fill ourselves up with. Why would Paul say that if there wasn't other things that we can be filled up with? He says, don't do that. But be filled with the Ruach, continually being filled with the Ruach. Number four, healing is an aspect of the gospel. Hallelujah for that. Luke 9, 1 says, Now when Yeshua called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority over all the demons to heal diseases. Yeshua, when he sends us out, when he calls us to himself, and then he sends us out, he gives us authority over all diseases, all sickness and diseases. Now does that mean every time you pray for somebody, you're going to see them healed? I don't believe so. But you keep on praying. You don't give up praying for somebody anyways. And sometimes you'll pray for somebody, and then you won't ever see them again, and you may, may never hear about it. We're fortunate enough, every once in a while we hear testimonies of that. Never give up praying for people to, for healing. That's part of the good news. Pray with your waiter, your waitress, your server at the restaurant. Ask them their name and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Is there anything that I can pray for you about? You might think that's a religious thing, but it's not, guys. It's something practical. It, there's a connection that you get with a person. They might share with you their whole life story, and I've had that happen before just by asking, is there anything I can pray about? Sometimes they'll just unload on you. And if you're hungry, you just better wait. Other times, they'll you, you can kind of tell, like, they're not really... I'll say, well, thank you very much. You know, yeah, just uh, God, you know, just, just, you know, whatever. They they won't have an answer for you, and they'll walk away. But give them an opportunity to say, yes, can you pray for me in this area? And I tell you what, you will bless that person, and you will be blessed. So healing is is an aspect of the gospel. Number five is adoption. Ephesians one five. In love, I love this, in love, get it? In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. He, you, adoption, I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of teaching on that right now, but it's like you choose that person and that, adopt, that adopted child has special privileges within the family. We are adopted by him. Predestined, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Yeshua in accordance with his pleasure. You receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Adoption is about an intimate relationship with a father. 
It's about knowing that you're a son or a daughter. It's not a, it's not a uh, um, gender specific. It's not gender specific, but it's it's having that relationship of a family member who's been loved and brought in because of his pleasure. He took pleasure in you and brought you into his family. That's amazing. Adoption. I don't think we get, I don't think we experience adoption necessarily when we first get born again. Maybe some of you did. But I, I, it's usually something that comes through revelation later on and it's like, wow. I did not know. I did not know. It's that sensing of abiding in him and him abiding in us. That's what adoption is all about. And the last part I want to talk about today is an aspect of the gospel is obedience. We think of obedience as kind of a negative, just obey God. I remember, you know, it says, you know, if you obey me, I will love you. Or it, it, actually, I turned it around. It says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Okay? The scripture says, Yeshua says, if you love me, you'll obey me. But I always heard it this way for years. If you love me, you'll obey me. The emphasis on the obedience part. If you don't obey me, but it's if you love me, you'll obey me. If you really love me, you'll obey me. John 15. I love this chapter. Verse 10, it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I want to abide in his love. Just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Lord spoke to me and made this, he's, this, just these few words. Obedience is not servitude, but covenantal protection. Think about that. We think of obedience as servitude, obligation. I have to obey. But obedience is not servitude in that way. It's, it's covenantal protection. As long as we... We stay in his commandments and we stay within his parameters. There's a protection, even in the midst of storms and tribulations and negative circumstances, there's a protection. True restoration comes through the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Yeshua. And that's where true restoration comes from. I just want to read some verses out of Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to be kind of jumping around. Yeshua summoned, this is verse 1, Yeshua summoned his 12, 12 disciples and gave them authority over every unclean spirit so they can drive them out and heal every kind of sickness and disease. Just talked about that. In verse 7 and 8, he says, As you go, as you go out and you do all this, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the proclamation part. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with sa'arat, leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you received, freely give. The instructions on how to do this. Verse 11. 
Whatever town or village you shall enter, find out who is who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you come into the house, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your shalom come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your shalom return to you. See, it's all about how we go about. Do we realize the authority that he's given us to go into the world? It's incredible. And, and to go, and as we go, we heal, we, but we also proclaim who he is. Because it's all about him. It's not about us. It's about proclaiming who he is. And you carry his shalom in you. Wherever you go, you're going to bring your shalom. Leave that shalom. If you, if there, you find a peacemaker, just bless them with your peace. If not, you ret- that shalom will return to you. And then it says later on, you know, kick off the dust from that town and move on. Don't call down fire and brimstone on them yet. I love what Isaiah chapter 9, he kind of, and Isaiah speaks this out in chapter 9, verse 6. Of the increase of his government and shalom, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it through justice and righteousness from now until forever. The zeal of Adonai Tzavot will accomplish this. In other words, his government and his shalom, his authority and his, and his peace, there will be no end. And we carry that in us. He is in us to accomplish this. And it's upheld through justice and righteousness. So when we're walking in justice and righteousness and we're being just and righteous and we're praying for justice and righteousness because they are the foundations of his throne, he is in us to... He is in us to accomplish this. True restoration, it comes this way. So being missional, first of all. Secondly, and I'll go through this quickly, is we need to love our cities. Ooh, that's a tough one. We need to love our cities. We belong to our cities, and our cities belong to us. I don't mean this in a, you know, we're slaves to the city, and whatever the city wants us to do, we do, and we fall under its its rules and regulations. I'm just talking about God calls us to bless the place where he's planted us to be. And there's a blessing that comes upon us. You know, in um, Jeremiah 29, if you know where the Israelites are at, where are they at in Jeremiah 29? Anybody? No. They were captives in Babylon. They were captives in Babylon. And yet God says in verse 7, Seek the shalom of the city where I took you as captives in exile and pray to Adonai for it. We curse our cities a lot. i tell you what, I, I was driving through, if you've driven through downtown Denver recently, it's changed in the years that I've been here. It really has. And, and I just, homeless all over the place. Smell. And I would, usually I would say, man, I got to get out of this place. 
But as I was driving to get from point A to point B, I just began to pray his shalom, his blessing upon the people that were there. Most of them were lost. Most of them actually would go to churches and shelters where they would hear the gospel. They've heard the gospel before, but they're living on the streets. And we need to do that is to pray blessing upon the city that God has called us. And we need to think about the church, the ecclesia, the kahal, in terms of the city and region, and not just our particular ministry brand. You know, we're not just a, a messianic Jewish congregation. And those are the assemblies of God. Those are the Baptists. Those are the Presbyterians. Those are the Anglicans over there. We kind of put ourselves in camps. And yet, that takes away from what God has called us to be a ecclesia, his bride, his representatives in a city or a region. You see, the New Testament, churches were not named for, you know, the first church of Paul in Corinth or whatever, you know, it was, they were named for the city or for the regions. I'll just go through the scriptures real quick in Galatians 1, 2. He says, to the Messiah's community of Galatia. That's what they were known as, the, the, the Messiah's communities, the congregations in Galatia. In 1 Corinthians 1, 2, it says, to God's community in Corinth. This is how they're addressed, and, and they don't have their... Well, we are more spirit-filled than those people over there. Oh, we keep Torah better than those people over there. We're more Torah-centric over here. It wasn't like that at all. It wasn't like that at all. This is a day of division that we're living in. We can't, we can't be known by our differentness, but we need to be known by our differentness unity in the midst of diversity. There's, it could happen. I have a heart, and I'll share this with you, is, is we want to be part of what God is doing citywide. If the congregation in Aurora is being blessed, or if the, the congregation or the church in Castle Rock is being blessed, I'll tell you what, I want to be part of that. I want to rejoice with them. When, when God's blessing is here, I want others to experience and, and to, to join with that, to be part of that. As a matter of fact, Shaul, Paul, he spoke against those divisions. And, and uh, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting in verse 10, I'll just read these quickly. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, through the name of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same purpose. For it has been reported to me concerning you, my brothers and sisters, by those who are from Chloe's household, that there are rivalries among you. I say this because you are each saying, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Kepha, or I follow Messiah. Has Messiah been divided? Paul wasn't crucified for you, was he? Or were you immersed into the name of Paul? I thank God that I immersed none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one should say that I had immersed you into my own name. And then there's kind of like an aside there. He says, oh, uh, I also immersed the household of Stephanus. Besides him, I don't recall if I immersed anyone else. It's like he wants to make sure that, you know what, I might have done this, so don't hold me to this. 
For Messiah sent me not to immerse, but to proclaim the good news, not with cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Messiah would not be made of no effect. Paul rebuked the believers for being exclusive and not being together, not being in unity. So being missional and having a love for our cities and praying for our cities, that's first one and two. And finally, we need to, as believers, as Yeshua people, to have core value of, of abiding, experiencing New Testament life in community, in community. What does that look like when we're experiencing New Testament abiding in our communities? First of all, our worship centers on God the Father. Hallelujah. That's why it's such a, a heart for, for worship in our midst that would grow. It's not about, and I've said this so many times, it's not about singing songs or about a particular part in our service. It's our worship center on God the Father. The worship gets our minds off of ourselves and centered on the King of Kings, the King of everything. Would you stand with me? Our worship is to center on His love, His greatness, and His compassion. So worship is about exalting the Father. And sometimes it takes a while because of all the things that we've been through during the day or through the week to get our minds off of ourselves and off of our problems and onto the King. And then it's just something takes over. Something takes over. And I want us to be a community of abiding where worship is a priority, worshiping God the Father. Secondly, that the preaching and teaching would center on Yeshua and his word. That everything we teach is lifting up the name of Yeshua and his word. I want us to be known as people who love the Messiah and who love the word of God. Yes, I love the flow of the Spirit. I love the move of the Spirit. I love the supernatural things that happen. But if we're not focusing on Yeshua and Him crucified, then we're missing the point, guys. We are missing the point. Too many congregations and churches today focus on other things, good things. But Paul himself says, I preach Yeshua and Him crucified. That's all. Yeshua and Him crucified. It's the cross, is the cross the center of our lives? In other words, are there things in my life that I need to die to? Like I said at the beginning, we need to pick up our cross daily and follow Him. What is it that I'm holding on to? Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Messiah, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Messiah lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who saved me. And it requires an understanding of who Yeshua is, what he came to do. I love when John the Immer Yochanan the Immerser saw Yeshua coming from a distance. He said, behold the Lamb of God. What is a Lamb of God for? To be slaughtered, to be sacrificed. Behold the Lamb of God. Basically, he came to die. So we need to know who he is. And all of our 
words and our sermons and our commentaries, even the Torah portions have to be centered around Yeshua. Do they center on him or do, they, do we desire to be transformed? Let me just throw this out too. As, you know, as a Messianic Jewish congregation, we love the Torah. We love to teach on the Torah in here. But I know folks who are so Torah-centric, so everything is Torah, that they forgot the love of God that points towards Yeshua. It's not a legalistic rule of, uh, a book of rules to follow and then I'll be okay. Everything in Torah points towards the Messiah. And it's been fulfilled because he now lives in us. So it's worship to the Father, the teaching and preaching and, and the sharing of the words of Yeshua. And it's about the cross and our prayer time centered on the Ruach's presence, the Spirit's presence. Are we allowing the Spirit to lead in our prayer and to refresh and to heal and to deliver? Do I have the mind, the attitude, belief, the faith that God can redeem any circumstance or set of circumstances? Do I have the faith to believe that? Do I have the faith to believe that God can redeem any setback that I've experienced? Amen? I just want to finish with the words of Malachi. In chapter 3. starting in verse 13. And this is an interesting passage of Scripture. This is the Lord speaking to the children of Israel. Your words against me are grievous, says Adonai. Yet you say, what did we say against you? You say, serving God is worthless. Also, what good is it that we kept his service? Or that we walked as mourners before Adonai Tzavod. So now we are calling the proud blessed. Those who practice iniquity are built up. Instead, they have tested God and escaped. You see, God overheard their conversations about how the believers were saying, look at, you know, these evil people are succeeding. They're being blessed. They're being prosperous. They're succeeding. What's going on here? They were whining and kvetching to the Lord about the evil was looking like they were having the better of it. You ever? Nobody here would ever do that, right? Then those who revere, then he, the Lord goes on, and then those who revere Adonai spoke with each other. And Adonai took notice and heard, and a scroll of remembrance was written before him. For those who revere Adonai, even those who esteem his name. So they shall be mine, says Adonai Tzavod, in the day that I make my own special possession. So I will spare them as one spares his son serving him. Then you will return and distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. And this is the part that we need to believe that God is going to do. It says in verse 19, For behold, the day is coming, 
and it will burn like a furnace when all the proud and every evildoer will become stubble. The day that is coming will set them ablaze, says Adonai Tsevaot, leaving them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Then you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will trample on the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I am making, says Adonai Sevaot. So these words of encouragement. Don't give up. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't give up. Don't dwell on the fools and the evildoers. It's easy to do these days. It's too easy because there's too many of them. And they do such stupid things. Don't dwell on them. They appear to prosper and succeed, but God promises that he sees and he will deal with them. Let him deal with them. Make sure our hearts are right. So, to close, we must be missional. Love the place that God has called you, planted you in. Worship him, proclaim him, and contend in prayer. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you that you care about us. You hear our cries to you, Lord. Your ear bends down, actually. It kneels down to listen to our hearts cry. And Lord, and I just want to pray encouragement for each and every one of us. Lord, that we would not give up. We would not give in. We would not conform. But that we would yield ourselves continually, surrender ourselves to you, and that you would work in us. Lord, we want to be people who are missional, who expand your kingdom. Hallelujah. Father, we want to be blessers of this city and not cursers. And Lord, Hallelujah. Lord, we want to worship you. We want to trust you. We want to see our faith increase as we share more of you to other people. In Yeshua's name, amen, amen.